I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Friends, welcome back to the Ransomed Heart podcast. John and Stacy Eldridge here in the second part of a series where we're trying to share with you our own wrestling with the role and the place of suffering, trial, hardship, pain in the life of the believer here and now on this earth. And how do we understand the promise of breakthrough and healing and thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which, by the way, is something we pray every day. And so we just have a number of dear friends who are in this and in suffering, and it's surfacing a lot of questions in our community that we thought would be helpful to go ahead and put out there for you and your community. So last time, we started off by asking, what's the purpose of life? Like, what do you believe about that? Because the convictions you hold about the purpose of life are going to shape, oh my goodness, your expectations. (laughs) They're going to shape your prayer life, that's for sure. They're going to actually shape your theology and what you think the purpose of life is. And one of the things I just wanted to kind of revisit from last time is this idea of what happened to reward? Nobody talks about reward. Nobody talks about because of the things I'm living now, because of the choices I'm making, because of the sacrifices, I have a great reward. No one talks about reward anymore. The old saints did. You read the old guys, you know, Anthony and Athanasius, you read Ambrose, you know, you read the old saints and it's all over the place. But in our Western world, we don't talk about reward. And that exposes that a lot of us believe that the purpose of this life is good life now. Now we're into part two. And the reason that I brought up the first John passage, dear children, young men, fathers, I really think it can refer to young men and women, fathers and mothers, is this idea of maturing. The scripture assumes that we are in some process We are undergoing some transforming process called maturing, growing up into the Lord. Paul writes the churches with all kinds of anguish and frustration, and he says, I am in labor. I am in labor until you are mature in Christ. So there's this idea of maturity that I think is going to help us understand and develop a theology of suffering because you need one. If you don't have one, you'll get taken out by it. It will really hurt your faith. It'll tangle you in knots. Your prayers will become desperate. <laughs> okay. When you're going to stop, you need to stop. Uh, I have interjected four times already. Now you pause. Okay. <laughs> Where are you going? Are you going to take a breath, please? Yeah, stop talking already. (laughs) 
right, the theology of suffering with the goal being our maturity. It's so good, John, just to have this conversation, and it's messing with me already, but it's shifting our gaze to Jesus, which is what we want to do. We want to have a kingdom mentality. We want to look at our lives the way God does. So what does he think about it? And back to the prayer, thy kingdom come on earth, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can be sure that his will is that he is glorified, that his name is exalted, that he is worshipped. And let's talk then about suffering. And that we are maturing. We can be sure that that is his will for us. Yes. I was reading this out of George MacDonald's beautiful sermon called Abba, Father. This is a wonderful, wonderful message about learning to cry out to God as Father mm. and seeing yourself as son and daughter. Okay? So here's what he says. To be a child is not necessarily to be a son or daughter. Childship is the lower condition of the upward process towards sonship, the soil out of which true sonship shall grow, the former without which the latter were impossible. Okay, God can no more than an earthly parent be content to have only children. He must have sons and daughters, children of his soul, of his spirit, of his love, not merely in the sense that he loves them or that even that they love him, but in the sense that they love like him. Mm. Love as he loves, okay? A little bit more. For this, he does not adopt them. He dies to give them himself, thereby to raise his own to his heart. He gives them a birth from above. They are born again out of himself. His children are not his real, true sons and daughters until they think like him, feel with him, judge as he judges, are at home with him, and without fear, because he and they mean the same thing, love the same things, seek the same ends. For this we are created." It is the one end of our being. Okay, whoa. Yes, God, do that. Yes and amen. That's like, okay, rewind that. Listen to that again. Yes. And God is committed to that. He's committed to our maturity. He's committed to growing us up in him until we are one with him as Jesus is one with his father. Right, that we value what he values, right. that we love the way he loves. See what he sees, sees as he sees. So it's there, honey, then we go to, okay, then how does he view suffering? Because if he is committed to us and our growing up in him, and he is, doesn't he use suffering to accomplish that in us? Friends, let's be honest. What else could he possibly use? You know this to be true. We just don't like it. Joy and happiness and summer days... Do not build character anything like trial and suffering and pain and hardship. Any parent knows this. Like, oh, this is hard. I know, I know, but hang in there with us. Because if you can frame these things like what's the purpose of life and what is God up to in us, it's going to help you so much. Our sons are young adults now. 
Sam and Blaine are married, so we have two marriages. And Luke's in his junior year in college. I could make their life so much better than it is right now. A little easier, a little I could, softer. I could. I mean, they're out there trying to make their way in the world, and, you know, they're living on really tight budgets, really tight budgets. And as parents, you know what you want to do? You want to step in. You want to intervene. You want to say, hey, let me take care of that for you. Or can I just show you some things about your marriage? And like, I could make your life so much better. And it would be wrong. It would also bounce off their heart. They wouldn't learn then. It would be so wrong. Yeah. Because how do we mature? Mm. How do we mature? I mean, let's be honest. Sam and Susan are looking to buy a house right now, and it'll be their first house, and they're going to have a mortgage and that kind of thing. And like, we really want to intervene and like our opinions and our experience and financial help and that kind of thing. And it would be wrong. We get to offer advice and yes. opinion we're asked. Yes. But right, you can't, for your children, yeah, that's a tough one, honey. For those you love, you would rather spare them from all suffering. And then what you're doing is you're sparing them from a tool that God is using to hone them and draw their hearts to himself. So again, this is all from the basis that God is good. He is only, always, and ever good. And we don't see as clearly as he does. Many of you who have heard any of my story know that my mom suffered and died ultimately from cancer. It was a very painful process. And her last four months in particular, excruciating. After she passed, I found a note that she had written that she wanted posted in her church bulletin where she wanted to thank the parishioners and all of the people that had come alongside and helped her. And she said that she had an unexpected diagnosis, and it has been the greatest gift that God has ever given me. I thank the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for it. Okay, that blew my mind. I was with a couple last week whose son is in the last stages of ALS. He's been suffering for four years, and they have been contending and believing for his healing, and these folks know how to pray. His wife and he recently told them, and he's ready to pass over any day, that they would not trade a minute of it because of what they have come to know of God. Another friend who is ready to pass over, suffering for nine years, says these have been the best nine years of his life. See, the thing is, John, I want to spare people suffering. I would pray. I do pray that they would be healed. I really want to pray what God is praying. But here's the thing. My prayers, are, or if they were healed or spared from all suffering, it would rob them of what they treasure as the greatest gift that God has ever given them. He has used it beautifully to draw their hearts to him, to reveal who he really is, and the look in their eyes, their countenance, what they know. Mm. They know things that I don't. and They know God. They know God in ways I don't yet, and they would not trade that or the price they have paid to know him in that way for anything. And maybe, maybe this is what Jesus meant by abundant life. Later in John, he says, this is life that you would know God. And these dear friends of ours, we're talking about people we love, gang. And a dear friend of ours has been in a wheelchair for 30 years now. 
And when he fell, we were young believers and he was part of our fellowship. And oh my goodness, the amount of prayer, the amount of prayer that went up for his healing. And this was in a community of people that believed in healing and saw healing and were claiming healing. And it didn't happen for him, did not happen. And there was a lot of prayer going up. And these 30 years have been brutal, you know, his process in the morning just to get up and out of bed and into his clothes and, you know, his bag changed and the wheelchair and all that, like, takes two hours to just get going in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to him recently and he said, no regrets. I didn't even know what to say. Like, it's almost like I just want the rest of the podcast to be holy silence. Who is this God? Who is this God? See, this is his will is being done there. Jesus is being glorified and exalted and worshiped, and they are leading people to him through their life. You know, it's a mystery. God is glorified when someone is healed, and he is glorified when someone is not healed. Right. Can we live with that, gang? Can you accept that? Because the purpose of life, you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul, this maturing. You're becoming a son. You're becoming a daughter. And if God isn't going to use suffering to accomplish that, exactly what is he going to use? Have you seen anything else even equal? Who wants to do uh, C.S. Lewis? Pain is God's megaphone right. to raise a what? A sweeping A deaf world. world. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he uses it. And this isn't, you know, I don't want to usher in some sort of resignation. No. No. What I want to usher in is, you know, contend with this, but from a place of knowing that God is for you, God is with good. you, and good, no matter what. He is a God who is in the business of restoration and healing and moving deeply. But if not. See, we have to understand that the goal of life is not relief from all affliction. Let me say it again. The goal of life is not relief from all affliction. The goal of life is your transformation so that you love the way God loves. Mm. You think the way God thinks. You value things the way God values them. That you and God become one in your very being. That's the goal. That's mm. this maturity. Yes. Children, yeah. young men, fathers. Yes. You know, I am in labor with you, yeah. Paul says, yeah. until you mature to the fullness of Christ. Like there is a clear intention of Scripture to mature yes. us. What we're trying to do is take a step at a time and clarify some things. The first podcast, we were trying to clarify what's the purpose of life? What do you think the purpose of your current existence is? And the absence of any talk of reward, you know, it sure reveals that we think it's here and now. We think it's happy life now. We really do. And our anger, our frustration at God. But then you have these stories of men and women who undergo horrible suffering. And they're talking to you about the gift of it. Right. And they're talking to you about not changing one bit, no regrets. Mm -hmm. And I know God now in ways I never did. Mm. 
And then you add to that that any loving parent, any loving parent, knows that as much as they want to, to spare their children from difficulty and hardship, trial and suffering, is to rob them. Mm -hmm. It's to stunt their growth. Mm -hmm. It's to turn them into little narcissists. It's to to do them a disservice. Mm -hmm. Here in part two, we've just been trying to point out that God is deeply committed to our maturity, that we actually become sons and daughters. And if he's not going to use suffering to do that, what is he going to use? What have you seen work in people's lives? I mean, I love joy. I love happiness. I love it when life is working out. But if we're honest, that doesn't transform us. And it, again, reveals what we're committed to. We're not really committed to our transformation. But God is. God is. And he provides himself in the midst of it. This abundant life that Jesus offers, this zoe, this spiritual power, Part of that can only be revealed when you are in trial, right? Okay, so we're going to pause here, part two, let you think about that a little bit, and we're going to come back next time and talk about death. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast with John and Stacy Eldridge. For more information on our ministry resources, we invite you to join us at ransomedheart.com. 